We're doing a test for Way of Kings. <laughs> Megan's being her wonderful self. <laughs> Everybody. Hi! My name is Megan and I should be doing my storyboards. My name is Emily and I have a really big deadline for my book. But instead, we're doing a podcast! We're doing a podcast! <laughs> what was that? It's Dairy Flim. Oh <laughs> no! Well, I mean, disgusting. For dinner, we had this really tasty soup and it had heavy cream in it. And then I had the leftover cheesy vegetables from, from Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. <laughs> and normally I drink water at dinner, but I had a glass of milk. And now the back of my throat is like... <laughs> I am going to have a terrible time editing this. Anyway, you'll just delete it. <laughs> anyway, that's my dairy phlegm. No. Oh, yeah. And also, I had the last slice of the cookie <laughs> custard pie. She had a good day. I had a great day. It's not normally like this. No. We're going to be talking about chapters 12, 13, and 14. Unity, 10 heartbeats, and payday. Yeah! And these, these new chapters, Emily meets some new point of view characters... There's a hunt for a chasm fiend, and Kaladin does some brisk exercise. <laughs> Kaladin has, compared to previous, kind of a good day it's here. It's an okay day. It's an okay day. <laughs> uh, Emily, first things first, you notice something new about the epigraphs. Oh yeah, so in the previous part one, all the epigraphs... To me, sounded like prophecies, but underneath it, it said like, "Oh, this was taken from a light eyes or a dark eyes, and it was a male or a female or a child." And this many seconds pre death. Yeah, and... and this looks like it's just a couple sentences from a letter you would write to a friend. Like this one says, "Old for uh, for chapter twelve, it says, old friend, I hope this missive finds you well. Though as you are now essentially immortal, I would guess that wellness on your part is something of a given." But it doesn't say who it's from. Doesn't say who it's to. <laughs> Megan knows who it's for, but she won't tell me. So there are, we get three chunks of this letter. So we're going to talk about this first. I'm going to talk about, so that was in front of chapter 12 and in front of chapter 13. I realize you are probably still angry. That is pleasant to know. Much as your perpetual health, I've come to rely upon your dissatisfaction with me. It is one of the Cosmere's great constants, I should think. <gasps> is this from Hoyd? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. And then Listen, chapter... you give me tiny hints. I have a big brain. Let me first assure you that the element is quite safe. I have found a good home for it. I protect its safety like I protect my own skin, you might say. I'm sure that'll be funny later. So, Emily has a theory. She just stated she thinks this letter was written by Hoyd. Or to Hoyd. Or to Hoyd. He's involved somehow. <laughs> In Hoydably. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's either A or B. <laughs> it's either yes or no. 
Um, but all right, now let's dive into chapter 12, all Unity. Right. We meet some new characters. Yes. Some characters we have heard only by name mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. Tell us about some of these new characters. So, oh my gosh, you guys, I took, I'm not going to read all my notes, but I took a bunch of notes for this chapter because we are introduced to so many new people. It's a mm-hmm. whole new retinue, um, you know, people. And it's mostly, no, it is all royal. So we're, we're riding with the king. Mm-hmm. Uh, we find out later for a very specific hunt, but we have the king there. We have Adolin, his brother Renarin, their father Dalinar, who happens to be the brother of King Gavilar that was murdered at the beginning. Um, and they're there with the current king, Elcohir? Elokar. Elokar, the current king. Elhokar. Elhokar. So it's a little to me. It was a little confusing. I made a I made a family tree. Um, <laughs> You're amazing. Thanks. So there's Elakar, who's the king, which means Adolin and Renarin are cousins to the king. Adolin and Renarin's father Dalinar is the uncle to the king, and he still feels terrible that he wasn't there the night his brother died. Emily, I'm going to read you a paragraph from the prologue. Okay. So this is on page 10. Seth stood and began to pick his way through the room. The revelry had lasted long. Even the king had retired hours ago, but many still celebrated. As he walked, Seth was forced to step around Dalinar (gasps) Colin, the king's own brother, who slumped, drunken, at a small table. Oh, no. The aging but powerfully built man kept waving away those who tried to encourage him to bed. Where was Yasna, the king's daughter? Elokar. <gasps> Elokar, the king's son and heir, sat at the high table, ruling the feast in his father's absence. Oh, that's so cool, you guys. <laughs> that's so cool. Uh, so what are we going on the hunt to find? We're going on the hunt to find a chasm fiend, which lives at the Shattered Plains. <laughs> so there are still battles going on the Shattered Plains, but this group of royalty and scholars and, you know, attendants, attendants and bodyguards, servants. they've come to a place where there's not a lot as... They've come to a place where there's not as much fighting and it's relatively safe. There's not going to be any Parshendi around. Mm -hmm. There's no real chance for a battle. But they've come on the hunt and kind of come out to the midst of this war that's still going on to fulfill this vengeance pact. Which we really, it's really stated later, Mm -hmm. vengeance pact is to avenge the murder of King Gavilar. There is one more person who's not related who's in the retinue. It's another high prince. Okay, I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to say his name right, but Sadius? Sadius? Sadius. Sadius. They, okay, sorry, can I talk for a minute? Yeah. <laughs> this was a really cool chapter because we got a really cool look at this world. We find, what? Before you dive into that, okay. I want to read you one other little clip from the prologue. Okay. Because I want you to know where you've heard Sadius before. He's, that's where Kaladin's fighting. The king coughed. You can tell Viatakar that he's too late. <gasps> oh. I don't know who that is, Seth said, standing, his words slurring from his broken jaw. He held his hand to the side, resummoning his shard blade. The king frowned. Then who? Rastaris? 
Sadius? Mm. I, I never thought. My masters are the Parshendi, Seth said. Boo. Hey, I'm so sorry. Tell us about this new marvelous world we're Cool new into. marvelous world. Um, so all of these people are very high up in the service of the king, and they all have shard armor on, or as I like to call it, shardmer. They don't all have shardmer. Okay, I am. Can sorry, you sorry. let me tell this story? <laughs> Negative attention is better than no attention at all. <laughs> all right. So the king is in shard armor that is blue. No. The king is in shard armor that is gold. <laughs> Sorry, you tell the story. You're doing a great job. The king's color is blue. That's the color of his court, but he has gold armor on. Adolin is wearing blue shard armor. Sadius is wearing red armor. And Dalinar has not painted his armor. He has it au natural. <laughs> In the nude. <laughs> no, it's a... So it's basically slate gray, which was just a cool little thing where they've, you know, painted it. And we find out that, first of all, Adolin is adorable Oh, yeah. So we're in, we're in Adolin's point of view first. And it's so funny because whenever I talk to Emily, I'm like, there's three point of view characters. There's Kaladin, there's Shalon, and then there's the third. I always say is Dalinar. And I always forget. I love Adolin. And I always forget we're in his POV. because He gave sorry. me a very Captain America Steve Rogers vibe because he's all about honor and he's terrible at keeping a girlfriend <laughs> he has way more girlfriends than steve rogers though <laughs> and the thing that's happening right now is in the court there's some uh what's the word i'm looking for in the court there are rumors going around that dalinar is going a little nuts and adolin is furious that people would besmirch his father so mm-hmm. but apparently his father does have fits during the high storms and Adolin hears someone talking smack about his, his dad, dad. And his brother has to, like, touch his arm and put it down because he realizes that he's got his hand out, like, and he's summoning his shard blade. So his family has a shard blade. Um, how, okay, how many shard blades are there? I thought there were ten. Is that the whole world or just an Alethkar? Do we know yet? We don't know how many there are. Okay, but they seem to be very valuable. Ten is a great guess. That's what I thought. Uh, real fast. Look. How... Read my note. Adolin has a blade. How many are there? Ten, nine, eight. <laughs> uh, how old is Adolin? He is Roshar 23. Yeah. Which apparently means about Earth years he's 26. So there's some give and take there. Yeah. Just Roshar is a slightly longer year than Earth yeah. does. So, oh, wait, wait, uh, you mentioned his brother, Renarin. Mm-hmm. Renarin doesn't have shard plate. Apparently he's sickly-ish. Yeah. Ish. And, so, yeah. yeah. So he doesn't, Renarin's the only one without shard plate and a shard blade on the, on the field. Basically, she's wearing shard armor 
turns you into the Hulk. Where you can, or Superman, like a mix of the Hulk and Superman and, mm -hmm. you know, you can leap tall buildings and, you a know, single bound. and a single bound and, and fall from great heights and, like, take all of this stress. And, and at one point they're climbing a rock and, and Dalinar uh, observes that he can still feel, he has feeling in his fingertips even though they're gloved. And he can feel the sensation of the rock on his fingers. And that's just really cool. Yeah, so um, Dalinar is wearing a suit from his family. Gavilar is wearing a suit inherited, sorry, Elokar is wearing a suit inherited from his father Gavilar. And Adolin is wearing a suit inherited from his mother's side of the family. Oh, he I got, missed that. Okay. Uh, he got it when he was 16 years old. Nice. Um, and so they, they, they mentioned a little bit about the high princes and I thought that they were all related. So I thought there was like 10 brothers, mm -hmm. but my guess is if you've ever read the thief series, like Atolia has all these barons, these landowners mm -hmm. by Megan Whalen, by Megan Whalen Turner. Mm -hmm. And so I'm guessing these high princes are the same thing. They're, they're the land owners that are in charge of protecting the land which is why their armies are here fighting on the shattered plains mm -hmm. and kaladin did mention when they got there that there were 10 war camps for the 10 high princes perfect um we find out that they're so they're riding horses which are very valuable oh hey hey what what kind of horses i'm getting to that so there are regular horses yep. and then there's rishadium Mm -hmm. Rishadium horses, which are super horses. Yeah. Swifter, <laughs> higher, stronger. Satius, Altius, Fortius. Dun dun dun. Right after we learn about the Rishadium, Adolin talks a little bit more about why people think Dalinar's going crazy. What specifically uh, is happening to Dalinar? He is having visions which we have learned from shallan that's against their religion they do not believe in foretelling the future mm -hmm. but dalinar is having these visions of he's being told to unite everyone yeah so so at first we see them from adolin's point of view mm -hmm. like adolin talks about it where dalinar will fall to the floor and shake when a high storm comes and he starts like talking in gibberish at one time like, he was even, like, swinging and flailing around. Adolin had to restrain him. Mm -hmm. um, and so he mentions the Knight's Radiant, which I put Harold's question mark. So that's that's one thing I'm looking for. Dalinar and Gavilar together reunited Alethkar, the Warring High Princes, and brought them all together. So apparently before Galavar died, that was one of his greatest achievements is bringing these 10 high princes together and uniting them, which makes sense as a kingdom. You don't want to split your kingdom into smaller mm -hmm. squabbling circles and to unite them is a really big deal. I don't know what he did to unite them, but he did. So we're, we're leaving Adolin's point of view. We're jumping into Dalinar's before we do. Uh, Renard is like, maybe you should invited Janala, his like current girlfriend. Maybe Janala? you should invite Ooh, you're right. Ooh. I keep forgetting Yanala. You should have invited Yanala along. Ya, la, would be the the two if it was written in symbols instead of our letters. Interesting. So it's an almost palindrome. Like Renarin. 
Sort of. Yes. I'm grasping at straws. No, I think you're right. Okay. Ren, R, A, Rin. So it'd be Ren and Rin. Cool. Uh, but not Adolin. Not Adolin. Um, but anyway, Renarin's like, maybe you should have invited Yanala. And Adolin's like, uh, Rilla was very vocal yesterday. So like, apparently one of his exes was talking to his current girlfriend. And Adolin's in the doghouse of both of them. <laughs> Gosh, Adolin. Okay, so something I like about Adolin, there is a trope I detest, and it's the ladies' man. Because in this trope, it's usually a guy is really flirty, super forward, even when the girls aren't interested. Kind of like, well, hello there. And the thing about Adolin is he is charming and the girls really are interested in them and he does get along with all of his girlfriends like at first he just he can't keep it together man he can't keep it together so um but then we we shift from Aelin's point of view into being in Dalinar's point of view and he's thinking about the visions where he's thinking about these radiants and they're they've been urging him to unite them and um he is in charge also of the king's safety, his mm-hmm. nephew. And nephew's kind of gone off on a race, you know. Yeah. And so Dalinar runs after him. They end up climbing this very tall um, pillar. Yeah, like, pillar. like a plateau. Like a plateau. And as he's looking out, Dalinar has this weird sense of deja vu, which he recognizes from his visions. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, what did you think about King Elokar? I didn't like him at first. Oh. He was very kind of like, ugh, why do we have to have all these guards here? Can't I just go do what I want? And I, okay, you don't like the ladies' man trope. Yep. I can't stand, I think we've talked about this before, (laughs) but the whole like, oh, I'm the ruler, I'm the princess, I'm the king, I'm the whatever, and I don't want to rule. I just want to run and let the wind flow through my hair. And I got those vibes from Elokar at the beginning. I don't know if it's because he became a, a king very young or whatever, but as the as the chapter went on, we learned a little bit more about him. Brandon delves into his psyche a little bit about what growing up must have been like knowing that your father was assassinated inside the palace, where Elokar will just throw himself into danger head first willy-nilly but at night he cannot sleep because he is so afraid of assassins you're a strange man cousin adolin thought elokar saw murderers in every shadow yet often dismissed the parshendi threat he'd go charging off like he had today with no honor guard and would leap off a 40 foot tall rock formation yet he'd stay up nights terrified of assassination he's basically afraid of the dark yeah and so dalinar is on this hunt with him to help him kind of gain his confidence and to have the king lead a hunt for gem hearts, which I posited were from the chrysalises that we saw in one of Kaladin's chapters. Um, so when Elkar like challenges Dalinar to this race and, and Dalinar's thinking about him, uh, the king is in his 27th year. Okay. Uh, which puts him at like an earth 31, 32. Uh, so he's really close to my age, actually. Um, Dalinar lets Elokar win the race. Yes. Dalinar starts to feel the thrill. The thrill. Um, so 
Dalinar actually lets Elokar win the race. Like, he gets this... He gets this thrill at the beginning, like, and he's going to overtake him and he's going to win. Um, but then he remembers he's supposed to unite them. So he slows down to let his nephew get ahead because Dalinar believes that, okay, by letting my nephew be a strong king, I'm maintaining the unity. Mm -hmm. uh, do you want to talk a little bit about the thrill? Uh, it seems to be, at least to me, somewhat connected, like the spren. Um, uh, anytime, like, there's very strong emotion these little spren pop up, but the thrill seems to be more of an internal thing. It's not physically mm -hmm. manifested, but it's it's this thrill of I'm going to win. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to beat you. Or And he yeah. says it happens in battle sometimes. And, yeah. and it's capitalized. Yes, thrill, thrill with capital T. Speaking of spren, we get a new spren watch. We get a glory spren. A glory spren. What do glory spren look like? They are golden globes. And um, they manifest after Elokar wins and is standing at the top of this plateau and is very, very just like, yes! And so we have, we have like this small conversation between Dalinar and his nephew, uh, the king, looking out over the battlefield. And Elokar has asked Dalinar to look into, there's, there's something with his balcony. There were people out on his balcony. And, and Elokar is like, there was someone out there. You have to you have to investigate it. And Talonar's like, there was like I've investigated, but there's no trace that there was someone standing on your balcony. But we're that kinda ruins the moment for both of them. Yeah. Uh but as Dalinar is standing there, he looks out to the origin, which I wrote, it's where the high storms begin. Oh. Do you remember which cardinal direction that is? If I you... did make a note that, you know, we know that the high storms here are so strong that they can, you know, upturn boulders and they, they knocked a, a rock off in Calbranth. Do you know what this means? It means we're going to look at the map. Uh, <laughs> but also, um, the, the lake district, what is it? The Pure Lake? The Pure Lakes. They talk about the high storms and when they get there, they're just kind of nice breezes. So you know? <laughs> let's use some deduction. If they're very weak when they get to the Pure Lake, mm -hmm. they're pretty sheltered by the time they get to Calbranth, Carl and they're very strong when they're on the Shattered Plains and in Alethkar, what direction do the high storms come from? So they're coming from the east and moving west. Correct. And so the Ocean of Origins, is this over here? So that's when Dalinar says he's looking to the origins, he's looking to the east. Got it. Very Where cool. the high storms come from. We we see a new Fabriel. Yeah, what does this Fabriel do? It chills wine it chills so wine have... we're back to adolin and basically the hunting party because um, they are oh go ahead adolin while his father when his father runs up after elokar he's like adolin you assume command you're in charge and he like takes off and so but adolin takes this very seriously and he, he does. does kind of like it's almost like he's going through the training manual where he's like okay well we're going to have Company 21 send some people to watch from Plateau this and this. And we're going to have two people on Plateau 6 and 8. And the person's like, 6 and 8? You're sending people behind us? So, like, the plateaus are numbered. Oh, okay. Um, which, if you <laughs> look at the smaller map of just the Shattered Plains, it mentions that this one, that the plateau numbers have been removed to preserve clarity. Oh, okay. But all of these plateaus 
have a specific number. Cool. Um, that their their mappers and their scouts have have looked out, and so when Kaladin's sorry, when Adolin's like, have people go on the plateaus behind us because if I were going to ambush the party, I'd cut us off and and keep us from fleeing. And so the people like everybody's sort of going through the motions. Nobody thinks this is a dangerous thing. Yeah, they're they're not close enough to the Parshendi for the Parshendi to attack. They're basically surrounded by all their own people, and so they feel like this is a little mm-hmm. overzealous. Um, Adolin is passing by two of Sadius's buddies, hangers-on, and they are talking smack about Adolin's dad, uh, probably on purpose. Chasing after the king again, Vartian said, shaking his head, like pet axe hounds nipping at their master's heels. Shameful, Lomard said. How long has it been since Dalinar won a gem heart? The only time he can get one is when the king lets them hunt it without competition. Adolin set his jaw and rode on. His father's interpretation of the codes wouldn't let Adolin challenge a man to a duel while he was on duty or in command. And he is a rule person. Mm-hmm. Let's like, talk about the codes. Like Captain he oh one more thing that he's like captain america <laughs> he wears blue armor no but that um when you put the armor on apparently it makes you stronger and so you have to be very careful that you don't break things yeah because and i just makes me think of when captain america like is in his new body and running down the street and crashes into a window the codes uh the codes the there are the Alethi codes of war, and everyone is like, they're more like guidelines than <laughs> rules. But recently, since since Gavilar's death, Dalinar has become very strict about following the codes and insisting that his men and his sons follow the codes. So, listen, while, like, like we're keeping a casual eye out for Spren and for Ten turning into Nine and for palindromes and for almost palindromes... You could just keep an eye out as for what are the codes? What are the Alethi codes of war? So the thing is, is that uh, these Alethi princedoms are like kingdoms unto themselves still. So the high princes are each ruling their own kingdoms back home um, because they accepted Gavilar as king. And then Elokard inherited the throne. And so Dalinar is ruling the Kalin princedom. But instead, Dalinar's out here with Elokar, like, on the Shattered Plains. Mm-hmm. And we find out that... Oh, did I did I skip too far ahead or too far back? I don't know. Dalinar wants to go home. Oh, yeah. That's that's a little further down. But okay. he mentions that to Adolin where he's like, I want to end the war. And Adolin's <laughs> like, excuse me? Dad? <laughs> um... So, so like, Dalinar and Elokar get, get back to everyone, and Adolin gives his report, his scout report, like he's supposed to do. And even Elokar is like, honestly, Uncle, must we have reports of every detail? And I, this is something I really like about Adolin's character. He is obedient, even though he's resentful of it. Mm-hmm. But, like, he will, like, obey his dad. And so Adolin and his father are talking. And, you know, uh, Dalinar's, they sort of set up how, okay, yeah, this hunt is not going to be this exciting. 
Aelin doesn't care much for great shell hunts. Aelin loves dueling. Like, he's he's mentioned dueling a lot. <laughs> the dueling cavalier. <laughs> um, Aelin's like, it's, it's, he's like, it's not very sportsmanlike <laughs> that we bait it for hours. We're all just sitting in the hot sun. If it shows up, we pelt it with arrows. Like, we close in where it's just so weak, we just hack it to death with our shard plates. Like, it's not... You know, oh, it's so honorable. <laughs> and Dalinar's like, it's not a duel. It's a hunt. A grand tradition. And Adolin's just looks at him. He's like, dad. Dad. That's <laughs> a lot of Adolin stuff. He's like, dad. Uh, then Renarin, helpfully, is like, you're just sore because of what happened with Rilla. And you should have invited Yanala. Dalinar's like, Yanala? Who's Yanala? Daughter of Bright Lord Lusto, Adolin said. And you're courting her? Not yet, but I've sure been trying. What happened to the other girl, the short one, with the fondness for silver hair ribbons? Dealy, Adolin said. Father, I stopped courting her over two months back. You did? Yes. Dalinar rubbed his chin. There have been two between her and Yanala, father, Adolin noted. You really need to pay more attention. <laughs> Almighty help any man who tries to keep track of your tangled courtship, son. So, like, and then Renalyn's like, well, the most recent was Rilla. <laughs> so, Dalinar's not ignorant of his sons. Like, I think it's, it's clear Aelin's got a bit of an issue when it comes to dating. Because, because what was it? So, in two months, he has dated four women. It gets around. I'd, I'd like, I, I look forward to learning more about Alephi courtships. Mm-hmm. And so this is kind of where they start getting into, you know, what they're going to do in the future. And Dalinar is like, I've just been racking my brain trying to think how to get the king to leave the Shattered Plain. And Aelin is like, what are you talking about? Leave? And You can't cancel Quidditch. <laughs> <laughs> And so Dalinar starts telling him that he wants to withdraw s- withdraw and bring the High Princess home to keep the unity, kind of like keep his brother's legacy. Because does he say he doesn't think it's going to last? Or um, Dalinar says, we need to return to Alethkar because the Shattered Plains divide us. The others worry too much about winning wealth and prestige. Wealth and prestige are what being a Lethi is about, father, Adolin said. And he asks him, he's like, well, what about the vengeance pact? Like, what about your brother? Like, we have to seek retribution. And we have sought it. Dalinar looked to Adolin. I realize that it sounds terrible, son, but some things are more important than vengeance. I loved Gavilar. I miss him fiercely, and I hate the Parshendi for what they did. But Gavilar's life's work was to unite Alith Carr. And I'll go to damnation before I let it break apart. Yes. So while we're while we're doing this, um, Dalinar does mention that the reason he puts Adolin in charge because Adolin's like, Dad, this I feel kind of stupid, and he's like, the men need to get used to seeing you in charge, even if it's just on this. Your dog barked. As they're talking, another new character shows up, <laughs> and it is the King's Wit. The King's Wit. And I was just like, is it a jester? And Meg's like, oh, it's better than a jester. (laughs) Much better than a jester. So it's a person dressed all in black and wears a symbolic sword at his side of a rapier. 
Um, and what is the purpose of the king's wit? Because it is basically beneath the king to insult anyone, and so he has a person do it for him. <laughs> so witch just shows up and just is mean, but laughs about it. Anyway, I think I would make an outstanding king's wit. <laughs> and and it's a, he's a fairly new one. They're like, oh, he's better than the old one. Like, they, yeah. Adolin at least likes it. Renarin is really embarrassed because the jester, not the jester, <laughs> because the king's wit especially kind of needles him. And Dalinar gets pretty defensive about yeah, it. Yeah, about Renarin. Um, yeah, wit tries to suggest that he and Prince Renarin shared a salacious evening with some sisters. Um and then Dalinar, like, warns Wit and has him stop. And Adolin's like, he's the best Wit we've had in ages! <laughs> One thing that I learned, they they talk about, well, they're, pre- they're prepping for the hunt, they're dumping hog's blood over the side, and they've got these chulls, and they've tied dead hogs to the side of these ropes, and the chulls thrown the hogs off, and the chulls are going to drag the hogs back and forth. It's mm-hmm. like when you fish for crabs, basically. Yeah. Chum in the water, mm-hmm. like for sharks. And uh, they talk about Adolin's aunt, Navani, the widow of King Galavar. Gavilar. Thank you. And that she is a, she was an inventor. And so they, they kind of start talking about that. Um, and one thing that I thought was interesting, we talk about shard blades and shard plate were something special. Relics from another time. A time when the Radiants had walked Roshar, no amount of Fabriel science had even approached recreating them. So shard plate, shard blades exist. You can't create them. can't mine them or build them. There's a very fixed number of them. And I thought that was a very interesting thing to point out. Anyway. I want to go super off topic. Okay. Tangent. Yeah, something happened this week as Emily was reading. She turned and asked me a question. I don't even remember what the question was. She was like, hey, what does this mean? And I just looked at her and I said, Rafo. And she went, oh, okay. It was just a nice interaction <laughs> to not get yelled at when I'm like, it hasn't happened in the book yet. I can't tell you. <laughs> I have no control over this. <laughs> so people are kind of milling about, um, getting ready for the hunt. And one of the chulls is like kind of panicking a little bit that has you know that's supposed to be dragging the ox blood Mm -hmm. and the trainers are after it the you know and they're like i don't know what's going on it's been doing this all day and dalinar notices he's like shouldn't there be bait on the end of that rope and you realize as the chola is running away that something has ripped the rope the the bait right off the rope and there's just afraid piece of rope at the end that said something dark something mind-numbingly enormous rose out of the chasm on thick chitinous legs it climbed onto the plateau not the small plateau where the hunt was supposed to take place but the viewing plateau where dalinar and adolin stood the plateau filled with attendants unarmed guests female scribes and unprepared soldiers ah damnation Bashan said <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. and that's the end of the chapter ah, but not the end of the podcast because the- <laughs> i am a benevolent uh dictator 
And we're going to let Emily, oh, I let her read this fight scene with the... So good. <laughs> so this next chapter is called 10 Heartbeats. And we're reminded that 10 Heartbeats is how long it takes to call your shard blade. And so the chapter set up really cool where it's like one and then there's a little paragraph, you know, with what Dalinar is doing to the next paragraph, three next paragraph. And so we're going in almost like bullet time sort of slow-mo of this is what he's doing to prepare as his shard blade is forming in his hand and what he's got to do to protect everyone on the thing because this thing is bigger than a house. Megan's got this giant grin on her face. She's like, let me tell you about them. <laughs> so much. Something that's really interesting is is it literally is 10 heartbeats. So if you're very calm, it takes longer to summon your shard blade. And if your adrenaline's pumping, it'll show up faster. Which is helpful in yes, a battle. And so when he hits 10 heartbeats, it says his shard blade Oathbringer formed in his hand. And I went, oh, Megan. Oathbringer is the name of book three in the series. So I'm really excited to find out what happens. I love that we got the roll credits on Oathbringer before we got it on The Way of Kings. <laughs> well, they haven't said the title of the book in the book yet. So um, anyway, it just talks about what his sword looks like. And a man never really knew life itself until he charged into battle with plate and blade both capitalized and the king immediately jumps into the fray much to the frustration of dalinar he's just like ah i have too much to do already and now i have to protect the king but the king is not like he's not like the king is all in he's like yeah let's do this <laughs> Woo! he's like a surfer dude going after a tsunami. Yeah. And Dalinar's like, wait till it's a wave that won't kill you, man. <laughs> yeah. And so they've explained, it kind of looks more like a crawfish. It's on like 14 legs and it's got huge tail and it's just smashing people with its claws. I mean, the claws are how big? Super big. Like bigger than like, a car big sort yeah. of a thing. Like I would say the claws are... I'm sure someone has done the actual math on this, but I always pictured it as the claws themselves being like 30 to 40 feet long. They're huge. Gigantic. Elokar's blade is named Sun Razor. Mm -hmm. And real quick, my question was, do they name it or does it come named? That, that might have been the thing. That was your Rafo. That was my Rafo. Okay. I went on to ask myself. I didn't ask this to you, but okay. I, I made notes. Do only the king's sons get them? We know that's not true, but I'm thinking if it's just royalty. But what if a king ended up with six sons? Would they go hunt down six blade bearers and be like, hey, we need these for royalty? Like, can they be interchanged or is it bonded to just one person? Mm -hmm. So those are my questions. When Gavilar died, his sword just clattered to the ground. So when you die, you can't take it with you. Mm -hmm. uh, keep an eye out for how does one, like, get a sword yeah how do you get a sword i also want a you? sword i also want a sword <laughs> uh and it's funny where, where you're saying that like elokar charges right in because dalinar's sons resent him but they are obedient elokar does not listen <laughs> and there's a bit where dalinar's reichstadium gets hurt mm -hmm. and he actually 
points and he gives the horse an order. He gives the horse an order. And he mentions that the horse would obey, but Elokar wouldn't. And, you know, Dalinar is like, Elokar attacked the legs. And Elokar is like, I'm distracting it. I'm going to get it in the heart. And Dalinar is like, no, I have the Rashadium. I'm faster. I should distract it. Well, that's the thing. Elokar doesn't have a Rashadium. Well, at least he doesn't. He uh, Rashadium he, horse. Rashadium. That's that's what a Rishadium is. Okay, I didn't know that. Sorry, this particular special kind of horse that is a Rishadium. It is its own. That is its own breed of horse. So you don't say, "I have a Great Dane dog." To someone who doesn't know what a, Sorry. if you're explaining it to an alien. that laughing i think it was funny i'm just saying for someone who's not real familiar listen okay we okay, currently read they don't 245 pages and i'm still learning new things and meg's like you should know how this right now they don't they don't call it a rishadium horse they just call it a rishadium well they can't see the words so we have to tell you have seen the words you should know. Uh, Gosh, you have all the reading comprehension of an Aleppi <laughs> man. You must not have a very good imagination. Okay. So, they're trying to take the legs out one by one because Stormblades, the first time they pass through a living thing, they basically, like, numb it. Right. I'd forgotten that from the beginning. So, every time they cut through the leg, it's dead and it will never work again. And it's very difficult to to get these legs one by one, so it's taking forever to do it this way. Yeah. And so, uh, meanwhile, back at the ranch, uh, Sadius has one of these, they're not exactly a shard bow, they're like a Fabriel type of bow. With like arrows that are, they said they're like three fingers thick or something Mm -hmm. like that, yeah. And so, Sadius has plate, but not a blade, and so he's got the bow and he's shooting uh, from a couple plateaus away, and there was this paragraph here that you pointed out, you laughed about. Dalinar raised Oathbringer in salute. Sadius acknowledged raising his bow. They were not friends and they did not like one another, but they would protect the king. That was the bond that united them. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Alucard throws off this oh ridiculous my goodness. speech. He is like high... On, on his own supply. Man, it's like... He's, he's feeling fancy. So Dalinar said, He turned gallant, the, the Rishadium, horse, <laughs> trying to draw the creature's attention. Hopefully Elokar had... And then there's a pause. Are you a god? Elokar bellowed. Dalinar groaned, looked over his shoulder. The king had not fled. He strode toward the beast, hand to the side. I defy you, creature, Elokar screamed. I claim your life. They will see their gods crushed, just as they will see their king dead at my feet. I defy you. Like, he is just, he's feeling the thrill, I'm mm-hmm. sure of it. The reason Elokar has his hand out to the side is his, he's, Summoning the blade. Yes. Because I think he got knocked out of his hand and then it goes poof. So if you let go of your blade, it goes poof and you got to summon it again. So that an enemy can't take it. That's one of the reasons that they they put Mm -hmm. out. So So So, anyway, Elokar 
is is basically David and Goliathing this thing. And he stabs it in he stabs the thing in the chest. No effect. He missed the heart. And that's when Renarin runs out into the field to try and help his dad. I was just thinking, so, okay, so yeah, he basically, like, his dad yells at him, he's like, get back, you don't have armor, you don't have a weapon. You're on a normal horse, not a Rishadium horse, just a normal horse. You can't do anything, and he basically tells him to go away, and we had a conversation at Thanksgiving dinner last week. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so it's... It's, I'm home for a couple months, so I was able to have Thanksgiving with my parents and my sister who live here. Four person, thank, oh my gosh, but we made like a normal amount of food, but we only had four people, so it's been like a Would full week. Would we say week. a normal amount of food? We mean like a normal Thanksgiving feast amount of food. <laughs> so we like just finished the leftovers today. It's been great. But anyway, Thanksgiving. Uh, our mom, what were we talking about? We are talking about copper? That was it. We kept banishing the dog away from the table because he kept begging and being like, and so we'd be like, no, Copper, go. He knows better, too. And my mom was like, oh, is it? Do you I think feel so bad for him. Yeah, that his mom, which is Emily. Emily's the dog mom. But his mom just keeps telling him to leave. I, I hope I'm never like that with you kids. And Emily's like, do you remember 20 minutes ago? When Megan was eating pie on the couch and you said, go, Megan, get out of here. You're getting crumbs everywhere. <laughs> so I just see poor, the poor Ren- Renardian. Renarin. Renarin. Um, just being like, I love you. I'm going to protect you. Get out of here. When our nieces come and they, they were, this last visit that I'm talking about, our nieces came and they were all under the age of seven at the time. So assorted amount of little girls under the age of seven. And when we all clear our dishes away, there's one spot at the table that's covered in crumbs and spilled food and, like, rings from the bottom of the cup. It's a mess. And it's where I sit. <laughs> Eating is a very interactive experience for me. And I just, I get crumbs everywhere. Yep. So I'd be like, I'm the Renarin of the family. <laughs> uh, Adolin gets smacked away by the chasm fiend and get uh elokar is in trouble um the beast struck pounding the ground beside the king knocking him off his feet his blade vanished and elokar fell face first on the stones something changed inside dalinar reservations vanished other concerns became meaningless his brother's son was in danger he had failed gavilar had lain drunk in his wine while his brother fought for his life Dalinar should have been there to defend him. Only two things remained of his beloved brother. Two things that Dalinar could protect in a hope to earn some form of redemption. Gavilar's kingdom and Gavilar's son. Elokar was alone and in danger. Nothing else mattered. Oh, I love that. It gave me chills. Mm -hmm. So I'm the oldest child in our family. And reading that and just... It reminded me one day our parents were going to be gone. I think I was 17 or 18. They were going to be gone for a weekend or whatever. And it was just, I was in charge of my three younger sisters. What did I do? No. (laughs) (laughs) 
And I was just sitting there thinking of all the things that could go wrong because, of course, that's what that's because what you, you do. Have anxiety. Because I have anxiety. And I just remember thinking of all the ways someone could break into the house and all the different ways that I could die. And, like, if I were face-to-face with someone, how fast I would die. Like, it sounds really morbid, but hear me out. And then I realized if they killed me, they would also go after my sister's. And I literally stood up full of righteous anger and was like, no one will touch my sisters. And so, I don't know, that part of the book just resonated with me where he's like, I don't care what happens to me. My, you know, my family's in danger. And I'm just like, get them, get them. So we jump into Adolin's point of view to see this. And it's, it's unbelievable. Like Adolin sees his dad because, you know, uh, Adolin wasn't of a fighting age back when Gavlar Whatever war was, was going on. Yeah, when Gavlar was uniting the, the kingdoms. Um, I'm not sure how close, you know, it doesn't say in the book exactly when this all happened. And so he's never seen his father be the Blackthorn. That's what they call Dalinar, the Blackthorn. And he just knows his dad is stuffy and follows the rules and is always cautious and he watches his dad charge into the field and everyone sees Dalinar hand-to-hand combat, basically. The chasm fiend swings down this giant claw. This claw that, again, is like dozens of feet long. And Dalinar drops his blade. He skids underneath the claw, which is which is going to you know crush Elokar. And he catches it. Just... Right above, we're talking the vintage Star Wars poster. How Luke's holding up the lightsaber? That's Dalinar underneath the chasm fiend claw. Just bam! And <laughs> Adolin, like, is, he, he loses his breath for a second just seeing it. And I am actually really glad that we didn't get any Dalinar and Adolin in part one. Like, we used Kaladin and Shallan to, like, slowly ramp us into this world. And I'm glad, I just, I love how well-paced our introduction to the characters are here. Where we get a really good idea of what everybody looks like in their everyday life and what everybody looks like in combat. And just, Dalinar! And, And everyone's kind of, like, almost in shock watching this impossible thing happen. Because... You can tell it's a great strain on the shard plate and everything. Because Dalinar's plate is all cracked and streaming out stormlight. And so now, like, the chasm fiend is is down. And angry. And they let, uh, and so they let Elokar basically do the, the last stab. And now that the beast was dead, the blade can cut into it. And Elokar, uh, cuts it open, Wampa style. (laughs) <laughs> and what does he pull out? He pulls out the beast's gem heart, which is basically, it's a gemstone uh, that apparently all chasm fiends have. And it was, it's an emerald as big as a man's head. And, and it's the largest one Adolin's ever seen. Like, even the small ones are worth a fortune. Uh, and the glory spread her back. Yep. Because it's a good day. And I want to talk about this glory spread for a second. Okay. Dalinar lets Elokar win the race. And Elokar is just so thrilled. He gets these glories, Bren. Even though, like, he 
he was not the triumphant winner. Like, Dalinar let him win. Mm-hmm. And again, Dalinar does literally the heavy lifting. Oh, yeah. My hot take on this, that was Dalinar's kill. And Dalinar should have got the gem. Just saying. I understand why it happened the way it did. But it's still not fair. So, something about King Elokar. So, you guys all know, I love using deductions and reasoning. <laughs> And I don't think Elokar is very good at deductive reasoning like this. No, I don't think deductive reasoning is the right no, phrase for it. I have to look it up. a good phrase for it. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. So, so Elokar isn't grasping the whole of the situation that he's in. That, like, he's feeling all hot stuff, but Dalinar did all the work. And he is terrified that these assassins are going to come get him. But he's reckless with his life in, like, real time. Um, so that's something interesting, I think, to keep an eye on. Elokar is he doesn't quite get it, I don't think. No. And it's interesting how different, even though they're close in age, how different Elokar and Adolin are. Mm-hmm. But he's still likable. And I like that about it where a lot of times, well, I don't know. I don't have a specific example, but I feel like a lot of times in stories you get someone who's really oblivious Mm-hmm. And you just get so angry at them. But I feel like he's still a very entertaining and fun character to at least sort of root for. So so that is... Okay, so we have a 50-page reading assignment each time. This was 40 of those 50 reading pages. There was a lot of stuff in there. And a lot of really great introductions. So we met all these new characters. And I'm going to do something. I was... <sighs> I'm debating back and forth whether to point something out to Emily. Here, how about I cover my ears and go la 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 and you tell the people? You're editing this. (laughs) (laughs) Because (laughs) the next thing I was going to say is I don't want her to figure it out while she's editing. I want her to figure this out on the air. Okay, don't tell me then. No, I want to tell you now so you know it. Emily, I need you to listen to me when I'm talking. <laughs> listening, tell me. I don't want you to figure this out while you're editing, but okay. we're going to talk a little bit more about the king's wit. Okay. Describe him to me. He wears black, a black coat, black pants. He has a sword. He has yellow eyes. Now, I no, gave he you, doesn't. I gave you hints for a character to look for. Do you remember what I told you how to describe that character? He's an old man with a white beard. Oh no, maybe I've given you wrong information. Hoyd? Is that Hoyd? Okay, listen guys. Okay guys, my sister's too stupid to figure it out. Maybe this wasn't as exciting (laughs) as I thought. I thought there'd be a huge gasp. Hoyd has white hair, but he's not old. He can dye his hair. So is this Hoyd? I have told you that if you're looking for Hoyd in a Cosmere book, look for someone who dresses in all black. This is fancy black. (laughs) He's too fancy to be on. Wow. Now I'm regretting saying anything. Maybe she wouldn't have figured it out for like four books. He's like supposed to be a traveler in disguise, not like in the smack dab middle of everything. Remember in Howl's Moving Castle when she's like, oh, that's too plain to be Howl. And then she sees the woman screaming on the airplane up above and she's like... 
that could be him. <laughs> Hoyt is more like Howl than he is like oh, Gandalf. Okay. It's okay. It's Yasna Kalin is like Gandalf. <laughs> Yasna Kalin is too pretty to be Gandalf. <laughs> Sorry, Hornifest. <laughs> hey Emily. You just met Hoyt. I met Hoyt. <laughs> That was anticlimactic. Podcast listeners, I'm so sorry. You're all, you caused me your scholars are going to be like, I can't believe she just pointed Hoyt out to her. I've been waiting and waiting and waiting, though. I felt like that was a really nice gesture on your part. Cool, because I was afraid that she'd be listening to our last podcast where we talked about the interludes and the people are describing Hoyt. Hoyt was old. Well, I'm glad... I, he is, but he doesn't look old. Okay. It's not the, he can listen. So this isn't Emily's first Cosmo book, okay? She's read the Mistborn trilogy and she's read Elantris. But I didn't know there was a Hoyd. But she didn't know how to look for Hoyd. So I feel like it's sort of like you I'm pointing out the Where's Waldo, <laughs> so in future Cosmere books, she can spot him. I can look. I appreciate that. I'm very excited to read this even more than I was before. <laughs> Baby's first toy. kind of like a almost like a cool down chapter after yeah. like this intense battle you and, know and it was nice for Kaladin to get it a cool down nice chapter for Kaladin um let's see so this is I I didn't realize this until later but this no time has passed this is the day after the honor chasm he wakes up by saying he's not excited like it's not like yeah let's get this done it's just like this is what we're gonna do he has a sense of purpose. Yes, he has a sense of purpose. And he uses that sense of purpose to make everybody's lives miserable. I thought Hoyt was old! <laughs> I did! Sorry, yes, he's got white hair, but he dies. <laughs> See, then no one told me that. They said that in the book. <laughs> okay, they, they A, they did. B, they did. C, they did. D, my dumb brain was just like, what? It's okay. It's okay. You'll enjoy it now that you know it's Hoyt. Okay, I will. I'll enjoy it a lot. Like, <clears throat> sorry. We're so off topic. But he's like this immortal being of immense power. And he's like, I'm just going to go insult a bunch of people. Okay. So Kaladin makes everyone's lives miserable. He does. He's just like, hey, you guys, get up. And he, everyone turns over and just ignores him. He's like throwing the windows open and they're like, it's a beautiful day. The sun (laughs) is shining. The tank is clean. (laughs) And everyone turns back over and Kaladin's like, no, 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 no. And he grabs someone and hauls him out bodily out of the hut into the sunshine. And not just, not just anybody because he's like. Uh, he needs a strong man to do it. So, like, one of the skinnier men, like Dunny or Narm, wouldn't do. Uh, 
So here's the thing. He doesn't drag him out by one arm. He drags him out of bed by one arm. He slings Moash over his shoulder (laughs) and carries him potato sack style into the yard and dumps him on the ground. And this is interesting enough that everybody comes up to see what's going on. (laughs) This is why I say Kaladin makes everyone's lives miserable because he makes this announcement there's going to things are going to change in Bridge Four. For one thing, there will be no more sleeping in. And I read that line and I got mad, incensed. <laughs> because listen, this is the one thing they have. That's the one luxury they have. And how dare you, Kaladin? I got angry because all of a sudden I'm like, well, if I can't sleep in. Ah, <laughs> so. And he's he's pretty young compared to everybody else. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's still a teenager. Yeah, but he's strong enough to like. Sling a full-grown man over his shoulder. He's uh, he's large in stature. <laughs> um, and he further goes on to say, like, hey, guess what we're going to do instead of sleeping in? We're going to train. We're going to run the bridge when we don't have to so we can build up our endurance. He's like, hey, everybody. Oh, it's time to exercise. Listen, this is going to come up, and I'm going to get in front of it before it does. Oh, okay. I'm the grouchy one in the family in the mornings, especially Christmas morning, which is a terrible time to be grouchy. I don't like being woken up. And so Christmas morning with all younger sisters, our dad famously every year would sneak. I don't know if it was just me or if it was all of us sneak into our rooms Christmas Eve, turn our clocks back so that when it looked like it was, you know, Six o'clock in the morning, it was really seven o'clock in the morning. And so that eased the burden a little bit. But I'm still upset about Kaladin telling people they can't sleep in. <laughs> I understand the reasoning behind it, but I'm mad about it. I'm so sorry. So. And so they're like, you're not the boss of me. And so they, they call it to Gaz. And they're like, Gaz, can he make us train? And Gaz is like, no. <laughs> it's like... He's the bridge leader, but they only have authority in the field. Mm -hmm. And so everyone just starts laughing and they just leave for Kaladin, Mm -hmm. who looks at Gaz and is like, I'm going to kill you. Only he doesn't say it, but it's felt between the two people. It's like smizing, but like smiling with your eyes. Yes. Mizing. Murderizing. 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 (laughs) Um, Sorry, before I jumped a little too far ahead. Let's talk about the... Bridgemen we meet. Yes. And what they all look like. Do we have to talk about what they all look I'll, like? I'll read it. You okay. don't have to you don't have to recall. Okay. Um, so Moash is a Lethe, so that means he's got tan eyes and dark hair. Uh yeah. Long dark hair. Epicanthal folded eyes. We also meet Dunny and Narm, who I don't think they specifically stated, but we do know like, where they're from in Roshar, but I know that Dunny and Narm are skinnier. Were there any Bridgemen that stood out to you? Um, I wrote down some names. Oh, The Rock. Not The Rock. Just <laughs> Rock. <laughs> Unfortunately. Played by The Rock. <laughs> uh, so, Rock is uh, from, well, he is referenced as an Unalaki, or simply called a Horn Eater, a group of people from the middle of Roshar near Yaakoved. So see, everyone, I'm pointing on the map. 
Horn Eater Peaks. Okay. So Rock is from there. Which is where uh, Shalon's from. Yes. She's not in the peaks. She's not from the peaks. But yeah, so. she's she's in that. See, I'm getting it, guys. But yeah. Uh, and then Sigzil is Makabaki from southwestern Roshar. He's the only Bridgman without a beard, and he has a smooth accent, meaning he was probably Azish or Imui. Uh, foreigners were common in bridge crews. Those that didn't fit in often made their way to the cramp of the army. So, he could be Azish from Azir mm-hmm. here, or Imuli from Imul here. Um, so, Which is more south-southwest. Yeah. Uh, so, a lot of the people who live through here are called the Makabaki. And then, that's where Seth is from, Shinovar. And if you look at Shinovar, mm-hmm. you see how we've got... These, sorry, this is off topic. We're just being interested in the map. So they worship stone. They worship mountains, right? They are almost completely encircled by mountains. They've just got like this. Yeah. Okay. Other abridgment of note. Leighton is a tall, stout man with curly hair. And... I'll just cover my ears. You can tell them. <laughs> I'll just cover my ears. You can tell the listeners. You edit the podcast, Emily. Oh, I think that was it. I'm listing people off, but I think, uh, I, 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 I think that Leighton is the last one mentioned. Um, What's who's Gaz again? I mean, I know who Gaz is. Sorry, what race is Gaz? Is he Thalen? Is he Thalen? No, the no the, the slave, slave driver was Thalen. Sorry, guys, right, I'm sorry. I'm also derailing this. Gaz. Okay. You're going to have so much fun editing this part. I am. Doesn't say. Okay. Uh, it just says, a man with a face so scarred, his beard grew in patches. He's missing one eye. The other was brown and didn't bother with an eye patch. White knots at his shoulders marked him as a sergeant. So I would, I would assume the default is a lethy because they are an Aleph car. Okay. So I think unless, I mean, because Kaladin does often point out that people are Alethi, but I would guess if it's not mentioned, assume they are an Alethi. Okay. Uh, that will not be true where Shalon is, but that is true where Kaladin is on the Shattered Plains. So. So speaking of Gaz, he has just undermined Kaladin's authority. Not that Kaladin really has any authority, but undermines what he was trying to do. Gaz gets a little nervous and runs away. He leaves and he goes and hides from Kaladin in the in the army camp somewhere. <laughs> so Kaladin sell, sends Sylph out to find him. Just Sil, no. F- Just Sil. Okay, sorry. Kaladin sends Sil out to find Gaz, and so Kaladin goes and sneaks up on him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he tries to punch Kaladin, and Kaladin catches him. Yeah, and so. Gaz is just like, I wasn't going to lie. You don't have it. Like, he's he's just really trying to defend himself almost frantically about, like, huh. like he's Kaladin's, Kaladin's a new creature at this point. Who knows what's good. Get off Twitter. You're looking. Get off Twitter. Up. I'm curious. <laughs> oh. So Kaladin's like, listen, I'm not going to hurt you. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> And so he reminds Gaz that it's payday. And he knows that Gaz already has the spheres spheres on him. And so he demands his. And I liked this scene because he has promised Gaz a cut of his pay. 
And Gaz only gives him four. Clear marks. Four clear marks, even though he's supposed to get five. And Kaladin is just like, hey, you shorted me. And Gaz is just like, no, you said that I would get it. And and <clears throat> you said, you said last year. Last year. <laughs> um, so Kaladin then gets all five, takes that one, gives it back to Gaz. And Gaz is like. Why are you so weird? Why are you so weird? Calvin's the manic pixie drink girl. <laughs> and he he emphasizes, he's like, you are not keeping this money, Gaz. I am giving it to you. And Gaz is just like, okay. I don't get it, but okay. <laughs> so Kaladin... Oh, oh he... He realizes he's not super on Gaz's good side. Mm-hmm. So he asks Syl to watch over him while he sleeps to make sure Gaz doesn't come in and try and kill him. Yeah. Which is nice that he has her. And and he has to check. He's like, Syl, you don't sleep, do you? And she's like, I don't. She she seems it's funny. She's like, you think that spread sleep? And Callan's like, I don't know. She she could be a ghost. I don't know that she's a spren, but I don't know what she is. Uh, some of your guesses were a Kaladin spren, a Hope spren, a ghost. <laughs> so a ghost spren. <laughs> ghost spren. Um, and, and I remember, because we were, you were reading the book and I was yelling at you, I'm like, there's, there's no such thing as a Kaladin spren. And you're like, will you just let me read the book and find out for myself? <laughs> and I'm like, but you're wrong. <laughs> All right. Um, Kaladin realizes that he can't threaten his fellow bridgemen into doing anything. Because, again, they're at the bottom of the barrel. There's there's nothing that can be done to them. The creme de la creme, if you will. <laughs> get it? Kremlings? Get creme. it. You don't get it. I'll I do. They talked about Kremlings. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who Hoyt is, but I know what a Kremlin is. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was rude of me. I apologize. My my voice is muffled because I'm hugging my sister and I'm falling. <laughs> okay, mark that down as Meg's planning. <laughs> you don't know what that is. I'll explain it to you. Oh. You've read like four Narnia books worth already. <laughs> I know. We're on page 259 and we're not done with the chapter yet. So um, Kaladin realizes that if he can't punish, he wants to motivate his crew. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't have, I mean, it doesn't say this, but I think he realizes he doesn't have enough funds to bribe people to do anything. So he decides to give them a good example. And he goes to where the carpenters are and asks for a board. (laughs) They're like, what? He's like, I just want that big plank of wood. And they're like, uh, and he's like, I'll give it back when I'm done. And they're like, what are you going to do with it? So he hefts it up and he's like, ooh, this is heavier than I thought it was going to be. But he puts it on his shoulders. I don't know if it's like, like, you know, when you, when you carry a ladder and you swing it and you can hit people or if it's like you're carrying water buckets. Yeah, I think it's, he's putting it where the bridge would set on mm-hmm. his shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's behind his, behind his neck and he's holding it, supporting it up like this. Mm-hmm. Which you guys can't see because it's a podcast. <laughs> and he starts 
running the length of the the lumber yard like trotting and people are just like what is he doing um and so he's carrying it lots of different ways he's carrying it with like his hands kind of like down low by his ears and he he does it like up high like he's running in every different position that he can think of and everyone comes around to watch (laughs) and so like it's heavy but he's he's motivated by these people watching him and he's running out all his frustration and his anger and he just is drawing from this well of strength that he's very surprised that he has. Just drawing on those reserves. He's drawing on strength that he didn't know he has. And so by the end, he does it for like most of the day. Mm-hmm. Like a good portion of the day. And when he puts it back. Oh, it's lunch. I'm so sorry. Um, he, he puts it back. He says he's been running for hours. Where had he found the strength? Where indeed? <laughs> Sorry, it's sports anime time. Oh. <laughs> I'm so excited. This book is my favorite sports anime. <laughs> no real sports video. The, un- the unruly team. Oh my gosh. Okay, story time. <laughs> tangent time. I'm watching Haikyuu. I'm the worst sister in the world. That's I'm, the point of the story. It's several Christmases ago and I'm home visiting and I'm spending my time, instead of being with my family, I'm watching um, this volleyball anime called Haikyuu. H-A-I-K-Y-U-U exclamation point. Check it out. It's on Netflix. It's fantastic. And it follows this high school volleyball team. And it's animated and therefore it's not real life. It's it's scripted. Yeah. Um, but Deliberate. They, uh, so I'm watching this one day. <laughs> Many days. And Emily comes to invite me to do something with the family. And I'm like, just a second. They're at the regionals, if they win regionals, they get to go to sectionals. If they win in sectionals, they get to go to nationals. I'm like, we're at the we're at the regionals. If they win this game, they're in the tournament. And Emily just looks at me and she goes, okay, you know it's not real sports, right? And I gave her, it was, it was a murderize. Mur- it was a murderize. What did we murderize? Smizing, but with death. It was like, Flames, flames coming out the sides of my face. Because I was like, how could you besmirch the hard work of the people who made this incredible story? I got you back later. You're watching Pride and Prejudice? I think I was reading a book. Oh, you're reading a, a romance novel? A romance novel? Or maybe it's The Thief? Uh, no, it was it was something... I really think you were watching Keira Knightley 2015 Pride and Prejudice. Okay. And I sneak down the stairs and I look at what she's looking at and I go... You know they're not really in love, right? And she goes, okay, I get it. Anyway, sorry, we're at the beginning of the sports anime where like no one's the good team at anything. doesn't trust their new coach and they're like, We're all losers. We've always been losers. You can't make us feel anything. And Kaladin's like, wanna bet? Kaladin makes them at least feel curious because when he's done, Rock, the, the tall horn eater man, um, goes over and picks up the board and then he says uh, that it, we found out that he bet he bet money that Kaladin was using a lightweight board to impress everybody to like make it look like he was really working, and it's not a lightweight board. <laughs> Let's get down to business to carry the board. <laughs> so Kaladin's kind of like everyone's clustered around. He's like Kaladin's like you're all dismissed for lunch, but be back here. Like he's. 
he's giving out his expectations of this is what we're going to do. And everyone leaves and Kaladin walks around the side of the building and basically collapses <laughs> in a heap. He's like, <laughs> and um, he's exhausted. He has just like run himself to the point of exhaustion. And then Syl comes up and wants to have an existential conversation about things. She was like, I was worried you lied to Gaz about giving him the money and i was like really worried when you got all of your money back from him and then when you gave him the one back i was relieved and calison's like okay, uh, okay i'm really tired can we talk can we can i just lay here you know can I lay here <laughs> and calison's like i'm glad you kept your word even if he is disgusting <laughs> she's saying that she knows what a lie is a few weeks ago, I didn't understand the concept of lying, but now I'm happy you didn't lie. Don't you see? And Calvin's like, no. I'm changing. She shivered. It must have been an intentional action for her entire figure fuzzed for a moment. I know things I didn't just a few days ago. It feels so strange. She's learning. She's learning. She's evolving. And she lets him know that she has figured out that yesterday when he was at the chasm, he was going to kill himself. And it's kind of freaking her out that she's, she's freaking herself out that she's making all of these connections, not understanding why or how, why or how. Like she knows what death is now. And mm-hmm. she's like, Ugh. And she's like, what am I? <laughs> and Kellen's like, I don't know. Does it matter? And Syl's like, Huck. How could you not be curious about this? Um, we also find out that she knows what sarcasm is. And Kaladin's like, well, that's ominous. But they kind of have this conversation about where she's just like, do I go on and keep learning even though it frightens me? Or do I stop and lose all of these things I have? She's like, I'm at a really weird place. And that's kind of where they end is that, you know, Kaladin's exhausted and still doesn't know what's happening in a good way. All right. And so Kaladin's like, all right, uh, I need to eat and I want to do stuff after lunch. And that is where we get to the end of this chapter. Yeah. Uh, that was exciting. That was very That's exciting. A chunk of chapters. Yeah. You know who Hoyt is now. I do. I'm so excited to read more about him. And you already knew what Krem was. So mm-hmm. like you're ahead of the game. <laughs> Thanks. We're going to wrap this up. What do you think is immediately next for the Colin crew? I think Dalinar is going to keep pushing to for everyone to go back. Mm-hmm. And that Sadius is going to use that to undermine his position and get closer to the king. Um, and I think Adolin's going to challenge him to a duel. All right. What do you think these visions are? So my overall arcing theory is that people are connected to the world somehow, mm-hmm. the the wavelengths of the world or whatever. I think the wavelengths of kings. <laughs> <laughs> I think somehow Dalinar has tapped into it, whether it's his shard plate or something. Um, he's tapped into it and is is being able to see these visions somehow without 
Either he somehow tapped into doing it without being close to death, or he has, like, a terminal illness that is just, like, stretching out his moment of death, and so he's able to, like, prophesy things. or Yeah. My brain wants to ask you when we're down on our question, Uh, but it was like, uh, nope, no, it doesn't. What's, what is Syl? I think she's a ghost or the spirit of the world or something and Kaladin is somehow attuned to the vibrations of the earth and she's attuned to him. Nice. I'm real stuck on this attuning thing, you guys. I don't know why, but that's where I'm at. Uh, make a, make a mental note about vibrations. Vibrations. You're you're on to something with attunement and vibrations i know who hoyt is (laughs) (laughs) all right so next week's reading assignments is going to be chapters 15 16 and 17 15 the decoy 16 cocoons and 17 a bloody red sunset would you like red sadius would you like me to tell you the POV person for each chapter? Or yes. do you want to just... Okay. No, hold on. It was 15, 16, 17. Okay. So, uh, the decoy is, again, split between Adolin and Dalinar. All right. Cocoons is Kaladin. And a bloody red sunset is Kaladin. Of course it is. He can't have anything happy. And that is... How many pages is that? We ended on... 263 and we're making it to 330. Oh my gosh. That's 47 pages. No, 57 pages. No. <laughs> it's like 80 pages. <laughs> All right. We're doing math live here. 330 minus 263. It's 67 pages. Okay, what did I say? 87 pages. <laughs> And then 47. <laughs> and then I don't know what else he said. Whatever. It's great. You're going to love it. I'm so excited. This is fun. Thanks for doing this with me. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I am... I want you guys to know I'm going to be milking this for years. Which is ridiculous. She's going to be like, like... I'm going to be like, Meg, can you do this? Or I need this. Or hey, will you read this with me? And she's like, I don't think so. I'm like way of king which is ridiculous because we're doing it completely fair and balanced because it's 20 it's going to be 22 podcast episodes of the way of kings and we're doing 22 podcast episodes just for season one of roswell so three way of kings books is going to balance out to three seasons of roswell time investment wise you read fast you're clever i got a big brain i know who hoyt is you do i put all the post-its on the wrong note (laughs) all right Wait, no. That was correct. <laughs> anyway, we love you all. My name is Megan, and I gotta get back to storyboarding. My name is Emily. I have work to do on my book. I believe in you. I believe in you. Break. Sneak peek preview. Chapter 15, The Decoy. Four hours after the chasm fiend attack, Adolin was still overseeing the cleanup. In the struggle, in the struggle, the monster had destroyed the permanent bridge leading back to the war camps. Fortunately, some soldiers had been left on the other side. 
and they'd gone to fetch a bridge crew. <gasps> oh, interesting. I wonder whose it could be. All right, better hit stop. Okay.